remain standing, if you will. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to change it up today. I told you last week I was going to change things up. Um, we're going to go back into worship when I'm done with the message. But I've got a word burning in me. And uh, I want to address a pandemic in the church today. Is that all right? I, I got a word. And poke your neighbor and say, you, God's going to speak to you today. <clears throat> we're familiar with the term pandemic over what we went through as a, as a world in 2020 and, 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 or 2020 and 21, 22. But uh, there's a pandemic in the church today. And if we're not careful, it's going to get us. I've entitled this. I've done this on purpose today. We'll go back and we're going to worship after the message and pray and all. But my title and message today is, Have You Lost Your Passion for Jesus? There's an ingredient that you find in the New Testament church that is largely missing in the church today, and that's fire. They had prayer, they had singing, they had all those things that we have, but they had a fire that the church in America don't have today. And I'm, and I'm very bothered, I'm very moved by this. And, uh, and I, I just, I want to just, I just want to talk to you for a little bit about this. Uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 27 through 33, you'll see it on the screens. It says, and as he talked with him, this is Cornelius, he went in and found many who had come together. So Simon Peter Cornelius, the Roman centurion servant, is seeking God. He has a visitation from an angel. He sends for Simon Peter. Simon Peter comes when he comes, he finds that not just Cornelius is there to hear what's going on, but many have gathered together. There's a hunger there. Everybody say there's a hunger. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. What Simon Peter was doing was against Jewish law. But clearly Jesus had already dealt with him early in the chapter with the sheets of animals coming down and so forth. And he said, don't call unclean what God has cleansed. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting. Everybody say fasting. fasting. You don't fast if you're not hungry. Until this hour and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius... I love this. Your prayer has been heard. Poke your neighbor and say, God hears your prayers. And he said, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. What you give for the kingdom of God and do for God, God remembers. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea, which was also against Jewish law because they weren't supposed to deal with dead things. There's all kinds of stuff going on in this chapter. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, watch this. We are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. I see a tremendous amount of hunger in this group of people. My question to you today is, are you hungry for God? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your presence, for your word. I thank you for where you're taking this service today. I know where we're headed, God, and I'll thank you for this. And I pray, God, for the next few moments, you will arrest our attention. 
God, you have, a, you have a word in me that's like a fire shut up in my bones today, God. And I just pray that you speak to us, God, and let this seed be planted in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. God, this cannot be just another casual Sunday. God, I pray you stir us, you move us. God, you burn inside of us. I pray, Lord Jesus, according to your word, you said you would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. God, I pray fire and zeal. Eat us up this morning, God. We praise your name and we worship you now. We ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Now hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have. And let's boldly declare, Father, Father today, today, this week, this week by, your grace, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. High five somebody and say, are you passionately on fire for God? There's a story about a young, proud man that went to Socrates for knowledge. And he came with a smug, arrogant attitude. And he said, oh, Socrates. He said, I want knowledge. Well, Socrates, recognizing a, a pump, knucklehead like him, said, follow me. Walked him down the streets out to the sea. Got him in about chest deep of waters. And he said, what do you want? He smiled at him. He said, I want knowledge. And the muscular physique of Socrates took his big, strong hands on his shoulder, and he dunked him under the water and held him for about 30 seconds. He pulled him up. He said, what do you want? He said, I want knowledge, O oh great Socrates. Give me knowledge. He crunched him under that water again, 30, 35 seconds, 40 seconds. He pulled him up, the young man gasping for air. He said, what do you want? He said, wisdom, heavily breathing I want wisdom, Socrates. Give me. And he pushed him under that water again. This time he held him down 35 seconds, 40 seconds, 50 seconds. He pulled him up. The man gasping for air. <gasps> he said, what is it you want? He said, air. I want air. <laughs> to which Socrates replied, when you want knowledge just as badly as you just wanted air, you'll get knowledge. When you want God as badly as you would want air being dunked under water for 50 seconds at a time, it is then and only then that you will find Him in your heart and life. When you can't find a way to fast ever, you can take the word or leave it. You can worship or not. You can show up one Sunday a month to church. You're never going to find the God of God and the presence of God that you want in your heart. How desperate are you for God today? Are you hungry? Are you as hungry for Him as that young man who desperately wanted his next breath of air? Are you filled and satisfied with the world and what it has to offer? Are you like a child that fills up on candy and has no room for real dinner at night? You know what I'm talking about. One person said it this way, I have but one passion, and it is he, he only. Where is the hunger? Where is the thirst? 
Where's the passion in the church today? Where has the fire gone? Where are the people that are so hungry for God that they can't go without him? Where are the people in God's house that say, I got to have more of his presence? God, I got to have you. I don't care if I have to push the plate back. I don't care if I have to come to church early, stay late. I don't care if I have to get up early before work and get in your word. God, I got to hear from you. God, I need a fire burning in me. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Two men were talking on scriptures on zeal. And the one man looked at the other and he said, dude, you got too much zeal. You're just too passionate, man. You're way over the top. You just need to cool down a little bit. To which the other guy said, well, I don't know if I got too much zeal or not. But I think it sure is a whole lot better if the pot boils over and don't boil at all. Romans 12, 11 says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. How can we call ourselves Christians and never have a desire to serve the Lord somewhere? I'm going to preach it. Amen. The problem that we have in the American church today is we still think the church is there to serve our needs. Listen, the church is not for us. The church is for those that are not here yet. Somebody shout amen. We are here to see people saved. We are here to serve the kingdom of God. We are here to serve Jesus. We ought to have a fervency in our spirit. Is it all right to still preach like this? Does anybody want to hear the truth anymore? Is there anybody that heart is stirred and say, man, I want a fire of God inside of me again. I want to burn red hot for God. I'm so sick and tired of lukewarm Christianity. And oh, I'm going to show up to church once a month. And if you ask me to do something that takes more than 10 minutes and I'm not interested, I want to tell you, where are the people that are hungry and thirsty for the presence of God? they got a fire down in their souls that will get in the prayer closet and not leave till they pray through. Somebody shout amen. amen. Pastor, you're getting a little wild for me today. I pray to God that I continue to stay fired up and on fire. Wow. The word fervent in the scripture means fervent in spirit. It means to be hot, to boil, to maintain zeal to the boiling point. When you take waters or metals and they get to the point where they're boiling, the translation here is that Paul is writing to the Roman church and ultimately the Holy Spirit, and he says, I want you to be on fire for God. Man, we need a fire again. I'm, I'm tired of hearing, oh, man, church was great. Man, we got 45-minute services. How do you worship, hear a word, and pray through in 45 minutes? James 5.16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I love this. The effectual, fervent, boiling, running over, hot, on fire prayer of a righteous man avails much. Three guys were arguing over the best way to pray and 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 a telephone repairman was working nearby overhearing the conversation. First guy said, oh, man, the best way to pray is to kneel down on your knees. The other guy said, oh, no. He said, I get better results when I stand with my hands lifted up. The other guy said, you're both wrong. I get the best results when I just lay out before the Lord. He got silent for a second. The repairman said, well, I'm not sure what the best position is to pray, but the best praying I ever did was when I was hanging upside down on a telephone pole. 
is, is your, can I just, is it okay to be real today? I, I tell you what, I've done a lot of studying for this 100-year celebration. This service at four is going to be awesome. The choir sounded fabulous yesterday in practice. You're going to be very blessed today. I've done a lot of studying. Do you know the man who started this church, J.H. Ingram, 100 years ago, his prayer that he was characterized by one prayer, God, give me souls. Where is the prayer heart of the church in America today that says, give me souls? Is your prayer life characterized by position, by perfunctory ritual, by cadence? Or is it characterized by the kind of desperation of the young man who desperately wanted air or the repairman hanging upside down on a telephone pole? Is your worship on Sunday ritual? Is it kind of a hurry up, get through the singing so I can get me a word from God? Or does your worship display an unsatisfiable hunger and an unquenchable thirst for God that says, God, i got to have you? You see, we need the fire and the passion of God burning in our hearts again. Are you passionate? Can you honestly, without a doubt, say, I am passionately on fire for God? You never get so old that you cool down in your worship and your fire for God. How dare we ever get to that age that we, well, I just, I used to be on fire. Listen, I'm as on fire now, if not more so, than I ever was on the day I got saved. Shame on me if I ever let my fire cool down. Papa, my wife's grandfather, who I love so much, when he was still able to come to church in his latter years, in his 90s, he'd get fired up and he'd take that cane and whip that thing around like a helicopter thing. Say, oh, my God, you better get loose. He's going to hit you with the cane, you know. He'd get fired up. Woo! How many of you remember 100 year celebration? Let's talk Sister Tom's. Whoop! Whoop! In her 90s in high heels, driving herself to church. We were all a little frightened about that, but she made it. Amen. But she getting in a whoop! 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 Man, praise God. I'm telling you what, you never get too old and you're never too young to passionately worship God. Somebody shout amen. Psalm 63, 8 says, My soul followeth hard after thee, O God. Does it? Does your soul follow hard after God? Can it truly be said of you, My soul follows hard after God? Are you hungry and thirsty for the Lord? Psalm 42, 1 through 2, As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Wow. What, when shall I come and appear before God? Pants here means longs for or cries for. Are you truly thirsty for more of God in your life? King Jehu said in 2 Kings 10, 16, Come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. That should be our testimony. Come follow my life. I want to show you what a real Christian looks like. I want to show you what zeal and passion and fire for the Lord looks like. Come see my passionate for the Lord. Are you passionately on fire for the Lord? Is it still okay to preach this way? John 2.17 says it this way. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, speaking of Jesus, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Has zeal for God's house eaten you up? There's such a casualness in the church today. 
When you're zealous and you're passionate and you're on fire for God, you have a zeal and a hunger to be in his house. People that are zealous and on fire and hungry for God, they don't miss for casual reasons. Everyone misses for vacation or there's a, a special family reunion or a hundred year celebration or, or sickness. There's reasons for that. But when you find yourself only coming to the house of God once a month, there's something wrong with the hunger in your heart. Is it okay to be real? Don't tell me you're on fire for God and you come to church 12 times a year. Don't tell me there's a passion and a burning heart for you and you can't find your word Monday through Saturday. You don't find prayer. You don't find time for God. You can't find your way to the house of God. Man, I'm going to preach to somebody. I come to tell somebody. If there's a real stirring and a fire burning in your soul, you can't keep that people out of God's house. Some in the church are as dried up as last year's bird's nest. We need a fire again. Did I go to a Presbyterian church today or am I in the church of God? I said we need a fire in our hearts again. We need something burning down inside of us. It says, man, I'm hungry for the Lord. Second Corinthians 9, 2 says this, For I know your readiness of which I boast about you of the Macedonians, namely the Achaia, uh, Achaia, Achaia, whatever it is, have been prepared since last year. Watch this. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. Stirred here means stimulated. It provoked them for the Lord. He said, listen, your, your church is so on fire. Well, may, may this be said about Bridge of Hope. He said, "Your Paul's writing here. He says, hey, I want to tell you all, there's such a fire burning in you that you have provoked the whole country, most of them, to come to the Lord. Are you seeing this? And your zeal has stirred up most of them. The Bible doesn't exaggerate. Your zeal, your passion, your fire can stir up. It can stimulate very many for God. Listen, God planted us here Easter Sunday. And there can be such a zeal and such a fire inside of us that it will stimulate and provoke this whole community to want to come to Jesus Christ. If he did it with the Corinthian church, he can do it with us. One person's fire, one church's zeal is contagious and will make others want what we have. And listen, if you read the book, the Corinthians were a mess. They had dudes sleeping with their stepmoms. I mean, man, they had some messed up stuff going on. And yet Paul said, your fire for the Lord has stirred up the whole region. I'm just crazy enough to believe God can do it here. Are you hungry for his word? Job 23 and 12 says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Do you go days or weeks without reading his word? Do you have a take it or leave it approach to his word? Do you find joy and delight in his word? I was, I was blown away. Holly and I got a chance to go a couple days to Gettysburg. I, I'm not a big Civil War person, but 
We went to Gettysburg, and I learned a whole lot about it other than the Gettysburg Address. I didn't really even understand that it was really the turning point of the war. Robert E. Lee's tragic mistake that he made, and so it turned things around, obviously, for the better. But while we were there, we went to, the, to this house, and right next door, there was a 15-year-old girl at that time named Tilly uh, Pierce. And she wrote a book later called What a Girl Saw and Heard at the Battle of Gettysburg. The Union soldiers showed up, the Confederates showed up, bullets are flying in town. So the dad says, Tilly, I want you to go with the neighbor and her children. They're going out in the country to, the, to her mom's house to get away from this place. So she goes three miles out into the country with the neighbor and the neighbor's children, only later to realize they went from the frying pan to the fire because they left town and went to the mom's house, which was at the foothills of Little Round Top, which is where the battle was the worst. She wrote in her book, Holly and I, Holly was reading, we were driving, and she was dictating. It was like I had my own audio book. It was great. <laughs> I was riding along, she was just reading, it was great. And she's reading me this, and we were both dumbfounded. She said, Tilly wrote, bullets were flying, soldiers were everywhere, they're running literally for their lives. And Tilly wrote, she said, I heard an explosion, and I looked, and I saw a man be thrown in the air, and he fell down into a wheat field close by. They went and gathered him. He was a Union troop. They dragged him in the house. The explosion had blown his eyes out. His body was charred like he'd been burned alive. And she said the first thing he said, listen, oh dear, I forgot to read my Bible today. What will my poor wife and children say? The man was burned literally almost alive, blew his eyes out, could not ever see again, was on death's door, and the only thing he could think was, I didn't read my Bible today. I got a question for all of us. Are we in a place with our hunger for God that that would be the first thing that flies out of our mouths? Is it all right to still preach like this? The world is zealous. But the church has become dull. Jonah 1, 4 through 6 says, The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, but Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Man, they're in tragedy, and the, and the only one with an answer sleeping. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. You know what I see here? The pagans are praying, and the church is sleeping. The Muslims are praying. The Buddhists are praying. The Hindus are praying. The, the Scientologists are praying. Everybody's praying, but it seems like the church is not praying. The world is zealous and the church is dull. Are you passionately on fire for God? 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 says, So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Spiritually sleeping can ruin a person. I believe one of the greatest tricks of the devil in the last days is to lull the church to sleep like, like Delilah did Samson. Are you passionately on fire for God or is the world lulling you to sleep? Romans eleven eight says, as it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor. Not stupid, but stupor. Pokemon never say stupor. 
eyes that could not see, ears that could not hear to this very day. Stupor is the sensation of limbs going to sleep. You know, you, you wake up, you ever feel that? You think, my foot's asleep. Or my arm. And then you get that tingling feeling there. It's lethargy. The church has a slumbering, sleeping spirit that is causing spiritual dullness. So how does spiritual dullness come? Three very quick points, and then we're going to pray. Point number one is this, lethargy. It is a sluggish stupor towards spiritual things. It is an attitude of indifference that lacks emotion and lacks passion. Oh, the church is on fire. Oh, well. Get some marshmallows. Let's watch it burn. Lethargic people could really care less about the move of God. As a matter of fact, if the move of God gets a little too rambunctious, they'll leave because they get uncomfortable with fire. If there's a revival, well, that's okay. There's no revival, well, that's okay too. So many Christians are so lethargic that really all they have is fire insurance from hell. But there's no real fire burning inside of their lives. The church in general has gotten so spiritually lethargic and dull, and it is time that we get the passion and fire of God back in our souls. When I read the scriptures, lethargy is the opposite of what you find in the Bible. Acts 17, 6, when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren of the rulers of the city crying out, those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. When you research the Greek, turn the world upside down, it means to disturb, it means to trouble, it means to make an uproar. And that's what we have in the church in America today. We have churches that have no disturbance whatsoever. The community has no idea they're even there. There is no impact whatsoever. It's high time, not in a bad way, but in a good way that we make an uproar in the community. That we begin to have an influence on the communities around us. That there be such a fire that the community cannot help but take notice. There's something going on down there at that church. Somebody shout amen. Are you lethargic towards the things of God? Are you feeling distant from God? If you are feeling distant from God, it's not God, it's you. One couple's riding in a truck, been married for several years. The wife looks over the husband, she says, Hey, she said, We never ride all snuggled up together like we used to. The man looked down the bench seat of that old pickup truck and hurt the other end. He said, Well, I didn't move. That's the fire I'm talking about, Marty. If you find yourself saying, God, where are you? He had moved. She used to snuggle up next to the man. Now she's sitting at the end of the truck. Was there a time in your life that used to come into his presence? And now you're drifted off to the end of the church. You're still in the church, but you're so close to the line, you're leaning over on the other side now. Whew. Are you passionately on fire for God? 
Have you moved away from the presence of God? Was there a time in your life when you had more fire and zeal for him than you do now? God had run out of fire. We've run out of God's presence. It's just hard to preach this to the church. Why is this, why is, where do spiritual dullness come from? Point number two, casualness. It's an attitude of lukewarmness and it is lax toward the spirit and spiritual laws. The more lax we are, the less we care about people going to hell around us. The more lax we are, the less people we affect for the kingdom of God. Have you gotten so lethargic in your relationship for God and what you do for him that you don't even know what you do anymore? Do you have a casual and indifference towards God and his presence right now than you used to? Do you find yourself waking up in the mornings and pursuing everything but God? I want to tell you, that's been one of the greatest challenges I've had in the last two and a half months. It'd be very easy to spend 15 hours a day over here with all the projects and work going on. It has been so difficult to maintain trying to pastor a church and also build a church at the same time. It has been difficult for your staff, to all of us, to balance that and to keep pursuing the right things first. Are you passionately on fire for God? Have you lost your passion? If you find yourself with any of these traits, then you have lost your alertness and passion for God. You can see on the screen. Have you allowed something precious to become familiar? Have you lost your reason for continual prayer and made it routine? Have you forgotten what it was like to be lost without God? Have you sought to be normal like everyone around you with no purpose beyond your situation? Have you become totally wrapped up in what you can see and what feels good to you? Are you passionately on fire for God? We say we're on fire for God. We say we're passionate for the Lord. But are we really? You see, a student studies their books diligently. They burn the midnight oil studying, some students do. They'll lose weight not eating properly and doing all kinds of things to get their degrees and get their names on the who's who. And they excel to the point that they, we call them a genius. An athlete works out every day. Follows the coach's instructions. Disciplines their life and their body rigidly. Defensive end for the San Francisco 49ers is Italian. He said, I haven't had pasta in years. I can't afford for my body to enjoy that. Because he's got to have his body just right so he can go sack a quarterback. They put almost every waking moment in their sport. They go to the Olympics. They win a gold medal. We call them a champion. An entertainer burns the candle at both ends. Compromises moral standards to advance, uses other people to get on top of their profession, neglects their family, ignores their spiritual life, and we call them a star. So we've got a genius, a champion, and a star. At the same token, here the same parallel. A person gives their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, and their heart gets right. They get excited about their salvation, they get excited about their new life. Under the lordship of Jesus Christ. They get filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to attend Bible study regularly. They pray regularly. They love their word. They show joy. They weep over sin. They're in their word. They're praying. They're worshiping. Their life has become about God. You know what we call them? A Christian. I have a question. Does that describe you? 
Because the people that followed Jesus in the New Testament, that described them. Are you passionately on fire for God this morning? How does spiritual dullness come? Last point, number three, looseness. This is the inability to flow in the Spirit of God. Looseness disrespects God's presence because it really has no concept of spiritual things. Are you disrespectful to God's presence? Well, no, not me, Pastor Dallas. Well, let me just ask a few things here. Looseness will cause you to feel uncomfortable when there's a silence in the church. Looseness will cause you to go to the bathroom even if you really don't have to when a holy hush hits. Looseness will cause you to sit and chomp your gum while other people are speaking in tongues, worshiping, shouting, and crying out to God. Looseness will cause you to sit and look at the screen while everyone else is pouring out their hearts in worship. Are you passionately on fire for God? One lady from New Zealand loved the Queen of England. Queen came as many years ago, came to New Zealand to visit. She was so excited, short in stature. She thought, I'm going to get out there early so I can get right there on the front by the street so I can see her when she comes by. She got down to the street and it was already full. She thought, what am I going to do? She said, I know what I'll do. She got up on a trash dumpster so she could see over the crowd. Well, when the Queen of England came down, she jumped up and down. She waved her arms. She whistled, clapped, shouted. She did all these kind of things. Afterwards, she said, if the queen had not been passing by, I'd have looked pretty foolish doing all that out on a trash dumpster. But because the queen was passing by, what I was doing was completely appropriate. My question for you today is, what are you going to do when the king passes by? And more than just a king, but the king of kings who died for your sins. If you can't get your hands out of your pocket when we're worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords, then at least clap your hands, maybe raise them. I don't know. You might even feel a little something in your feet and do the Dallas two-step. You might even feel a little fire and have to run around the church. You might feel something inside you and you might have to shout, Woo! Praise the name of Jesus. I want to tell you, when we are worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords who died for you, it is completely appropriate to throw your hands in the air, to clap your hands, to jump up and down, to shout, to worship, to bow, to kneel. I come to tell you, what are you going to do? Because the King of kings is here and the Lord of lords. Is there a fire burning in your soul? Come on up, praise team. Lethargy. Casualness and looseness are not a state of mind, rather a condition of the heart. I need you to look at the screen. Lethargy, casualness, and looseness are not a state of mind, rather a condition of the heart. Are you hungry and passionate for the Lord? How would your life be different if you were desperate for God like the young man desperate for air underwater? How would it change your family? How would it change your life? I heard a testimony from someone yesterday. So excited. I was so excited with them. I celebrated with them. They said, I haven't smoked marijuana in five days. I said, glory to God. Praise God. It's awesome. I ain't smoked marijuana in 28 years. 
I ain't drank alcohol in 28 years. Glory to God, he set me free. There was a time I did. Listen, if you're in this church and you struggle with that, we're okay. We're going to pray with you. We're going to love you. You're going to get through it. The fire of God's going to just burn that junk right on out of you. Somebody shout amen. What would your life look like if you were so desperate like the man hanging upside down on a telephone pole thinking he's going to die? What if your life was that desperate for God? Or you were like the student, athlete, or entertainer trying to be the best in their craft, but instead trying to pursue God with everything you've got? What could happen through you if you were as hungry as a biblical Christian? How could things be different if you worshiped like the lady when the Queen of England passed by, but it was for Jesus? Man, I've delivered what God has put on me. This praise team, they're going to lead us in worship. I just, I just feel a drawing. Here's where we're at as a church in America. The leaning tower of Pisa is leaning. Right? You've all seen pictures. It's leaning. It looks like it's going to fall over. They say eventually it will, but right now it's just leaning over. Here's what we do in the church in America. We, we look at everybody else who's also leaning, and we think, well, we must not be doing so bad. (laughs) But God says the standard is not other people, it is my word. And God says if you'll ever get a fire inside of you, and you'll begin to pray like the book teaches to pray, and you'll worship like the book says praise, and you'll get in your word like it says, and you become an on-fire For God, Christian, like those that turn the world upside down, it'll cause you to stand up straight and realize, wait a minute, I used to be leaning and I was walking all awky. No wonder the world didn't want what I had. They could see we were leaning. I want to tell you, there's got to be a fire that rises inside of us, church. We need to pray and repent and get our hearts right. We need to get looseness out, casualness out, lethargic out, get it all out. We need a fire from God burning down inside of us. This is okay, Steve. Still to preach this way. 